time. Lord, we so thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the chance that we can read it, contemplate it, and that you can speak to us. I thank you, Lord, that the, the voice of the prophets and the apostles is still here with us today, speaking to us. Thank you that the voice of Christ is with us today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that it would touch every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk um, a little bit about the idea of being planted, which is our theme for the year. And um, we've, been, we've already considered several times this theme of being planted, and it, there's lots of aspects to it, and we're just going to consider it a bit more today. In particular, what it means to be a part of a life group, and um, which, uh, you know, about half of the church are in life groups, but we do have more need for life groups, and we do have more need for people to be in life groups. So we're going to just think a little bit about some of these things today, about being planted. When I was in um, Mount Morgan as a pastor years ago, I, um, I started a Bible study. And um, there's something wonderful about, at least with Mount Morgan, about living there. So many of the pastors that we've had over the years haven't had the, the benefit or the opportunity to live there. And it's, um, it makes it a lot harder when you don't live there. And um, Justin and Rosalind are doing really well. They've been spending time up there at nights and they've started a Bible study. And uh, God bless them. May they have grace in all that they're doing. But I had the privilege of living there and I started a Bible study. And I found very, very quickly that the Bible study, which is you know, effectively the same thing as the life groups we have here, I found that that was how the church grew. And um, so... Um, Bible, studying the Bible is something all around the world that Christians do. Christians study the Bible. God's given us this book, which is his words. It's the word of God, and it's the words of God, and we have it with us, and Christians read it, and they study it, and it's part of what it means to be a believer. Now, if you're, um, you know, if you're a, a good Christian and you've developed a personal prayer habit, then you'll no doubt be reading your Bible at home on your own. And if you're not, you need to make sure you are. But Christians also read and study the Bible together, or they should because it's good for them to do that. So this is what I started in Mount Morgan. Now, I have to confess that all around the world... Now, this is not to cast judgment on anyone else. This is just my personal perspective that all around the world that there are little groups that meet connected with churches, and they have all sorts of different names. There's cells, <laughs> which I feel, ever since, you know, terrorism has become a thing, I've always felt that didn't seem like a great name for a small group. You know, we're part of our cell, you know, <laughs> cell for what? Uh, or, you know, even before that, it sounded like a prison cell. It didn't sound good before either. It never sounded good to me. Um, but, you know, some people have cells and it sounds good to them and it works for them, so great. But, you know, there were life groups, there were connect groups, there's, you know, all sorts of groups, this group, that group. I've always felt, personally, that when you call something a group, it sounds weird. When you say to someone, hey, come along to my such and such group, that straight away just sounds odd. Now, I don't know about you, but that's just how it's always seemed to me. 
And I always imagine, because I'm a bit of an evangelist and I always try to look at these things from the outsider's perspective. Imagine you're minding your business, you know, and your neighbour leans over the fence and says, hey, come to my life group. Golly gosh, what's a life group? A group about life. It sounds weird. But hey, I think Bible study just sounds normal. For Christians, that's what Christians do. They study the Bible and hey, it's actually kind of interesting to people to know what's in the Bible. So your neighbour leans over the fence and says, hey, you know we have this Bible study every week? Why don't you come along? It's not as weird sounding as all that other stuff. Because, you know, people know what the Bible is. They know it's a book about God. They know that Christians get together and read the Bible. So sure. I'll come along to the Bible study. It doesn't sound so odd because that's what Christians all over the world do. But when you say you've got a special group, that doesn't sound like a universal thing that people all around the world do. It sounds something like a little odd. Well, you know what? I could be wrong about that. I'm just sharing a personal perspective. Anyway, because of those reasons, I decided to call our group in Mount Morgan Bible study because <laughs> it just sounds normal. And... Um, and as part of that, we actually studied the Bible. You know, the Christian groups get together all around the world and they do all sorts of things in their Christian groups, but I believe they should study the Bible. I think that's what Christian groups should do and when they do it, I think they, they will feel a sense of purpose in that and things will be achieved if Christians get together and study the Bible together. And I think there's something wonderful about it. And, but it's very, very easy in small Christian groups to get together and for it to slowly descend into a group that doesn't achieve much. You know, you might say, oh, this week we're just going to have a social and you just sit around and chat. And, uh, but Christian groups that are only for social purposes end up having very little purpose about them at all and they end up being no different to any other social group you can join anywhere in the world. The world has millions of social groups. The darts club and, uh, you know, bridge and, you know, there's a euchre club here in town and there's all sorts of things you can do that have a social purpose to them. But we've got like the one thing that the world doesn't have, the word of God. And those words are living words. And Jesus Christ said that his word would, would spring up inside of you, you know, like a river producing life. And there's something wonderful about when people get together and study God's words, you know, aka Bible study, which gives the group this purpose. So anyway, I'm just a real advocate for Bible studies as a thing. So I'm not telling your life group to change names or anything like that. Feel free to call it what you wish. Uh, if I was the leader, <laughs> I would be calling my group a Bible study. And you don't even have to change what you do but I do encourage you to study the Bible as part of what you do. And um, so we did this in Mount Morgan. We started this Bible study with just the people, because I knew we needed a cell group. In Rocky, we were calling them cell groups back then, but I didn't like the sound of that. So we called it Bible study. And um, so we started this, and you just initially invite the people that are in the church, which was only about five people at the time, and they come to your house, and, and so once a week, you, you've got them once a week in church on Sunday where you preach like this, and then once a week you've got them in your lounge room and you just chat freely. And this was my method. We go through the Bible, 
chapter by chapter, and every week we read a chapter together and we just discuss it. So, very simple. So we just open the Bible to Matthew chapter 1, for example, and we're just going to read Matthew chapter 1 today, and we'll, you know, we'll go around the circle and everyone will read a few verses, and um, you, know, we, you can stop at any point and, and discuss it, ask questions, or you can just read the whole thing and then discuss it. And as the leader of the group, I would find that sometimes you'd, go, you'd read the whole chapter and no one would bring up anything for discussion. So then I would have, of course, prepared in my mind a few questions about that passage and I'd ask the questions and the conversation would start and we would, by that process, study the Bible. But then you'd get sometimes into parts of the Bible where questions just come up. So you'd get to the Sermon on the Mount, which would be Matthew chapter 5, and you'd get where Jesus starts talking about things like divorce and adultery and murder and love your enemies and look questions just happen you cannot help and i remember when we got to matthew chapter 5 in mount morgan we read like we did all sorts of books in the bible we did the book of james which is a great great book for bible studies we did um we went through the book of matthew so the whole gospel of matthew and um just seeing corey and grace over there i'm pretty sure that corey may have been in that bible study that we did matthew that night and um, Corey's dad was there. Now, Corey's dad was great for getting conversations going. And um, it always helps to have one or two chatterboxes in the group, as long as you stay on top of them. Don't let them take over. But we found that when we got to Matthew chapter 5, it engaged, it engaged people. And you'll find that the Bible in general, in particular the Gospels, will engage people. It'll engage you as a Christian because I bet, now I remember in youth years ago asking the youth who's read their Bible, about three of the youth had read their entire Bible. So if you are a typical person, you haven't read your entire Bible. Which is a great shame, but it's a reason why you have to study the Bible in groups. Because you, the group it, that you will be a part of and that you attend regularly is studying the Bible. So even if you're too slack at home, you're committed to this group that's progressing its way through the Bible and you are learning being a disciple of Christ. But as well as being a disciple of Christ, the Bible is sufficiently engaging that unbelievers want to know what's in it. So if you invite your unbelieving friend and say, we're having a Bible study this week and we're reading the Sermon on the Mount or whatever part you're up to, and we're reading what Jesus said about loving your enemies or whatever, you know what, they may say, no, they're not interested, but they're lying, they're interested. People are interested in what the Bible has to say, even if they won't admit it. You know that 70-something percent of Australians regularly pray? Like, people in the world are, have a hunger for the things of God. People may, not be, people may be turned off by church because of hurt or past experience or bias or things that SBS has put into their brain or all of this stuff, but they're not turned off by Christ. They're interested in Christ. And when you say to your, your unbelieving friends or your family or, or whatever, we're, we're studying the Bible and we're going through the gospel and we're reading what Jesus has to say this week about this, are you interested in coming along? There's a good chance that they're interested. Very high chance. But whether they will admit it or not, that's another thing. But hey, you've invited them and it doesn't sound weird. It's a Bible study. That's what Christians do. It's normal. And um, you know what? And... The conversations just happen in Bible studies and they cause people to grow. It's a place for you to share what you think and for there to be a discussion. 
A discussion like that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. That's preaching the Word of God and you go home and you think about it. But in a Bible study, you discuss it. You have questions. Doubts come up. If you don't understand something, others can explain it to you. Or maybe you have a thought you've never had before, but the discussion is good for you and then you finish it with prayer. And so the Lord is able to minister to individuals and the Lord's able to use individuals to minister to each other. These are all some of the reasons why Bible studies are so wonderful. They're wonderful for you as a Christian follower of Christ. They're also wonderful for evangelism. And our Bible study in Mount Morgan turned out to be a very effective evangelistic tool because people would invite their friends along because they would come along. It wasn't just Bible study. We would study the Bible and we would pray, but then we would also have supper and we would also not make it a late night. If you make it a late night, people don't want to to keep on coming. They want to know it's predictable. They want to know they're able to be home by nine or whatever. So you've got to be on control. You know, as a leader, you've got to be controlled. You know, we start on time, we end on time. This is what we do. It's, it's, it, you know, you can have exceptions to the rule, but it's got to be generally what happens. And people want to be a part of something with a sense of purpose. And Bible studies have purpose because the purpose is to know what the Lord had said, is saying and apply it to our lives. Now, what could be more Christian than that? So, we've been talking about um, being planted as Christians this year. It's our theme. Part of being planted means putting yourself in a place where you will grow and be fruitful. Being in a small group is a part of being planted. It will help you. And, as well as that, being in a place where you're regularly in prayer is important as well. We have lots of prayer meetings. That's not, not our subject for today. But as a Christian, you want to get involved in prayer and in Bible study. You want to do these things on your own and you want to do these things with other Christians as well. You want to have both individual expressions of of getting to know the Lord and group expressions of that. This is what it means to be a Christian. So I want you to take all the things I've just said, keep them in your mind, and we're now going to read these two passages of Scripture that we've been going over and over this year, which is Psalms chapter 1. And the first little part of John chapter 15. These two passages we've read several times this year as part of our idea of being planted. But now I want you to just keep in mind this idea of being in a Bible study or being in a group. It's it's being a part of other believers that together have a purpose of getting to know the Lord. Let's start with John chapter 15. So this is the New Testament passage. Psalms 1 is the Old Testament passage. You might think they have not much in common, but it's amazing how these two passages seem to say very similar things. We'll just read eight verses. John 15, 1 to 8. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You were already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So that passage is all about you remaining in a place and Christ's words remaining in you. And the purpose of that is that you'll be fruitful. You'll bear much fruit, it says, showing yourself to be Christ's disciple. Now, Psalm chapter 1, we'll just read the first three verses, although it's all good. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. These two passages are very, very similar. One's about remaining in Christ so that you will bear much fruit. And of course, Jesus said, and my words remain in you, and then you will bear much fruit to you know, show that you are his disciple. Psalm 1 is saying that the person who delights in the law of the Lord, now that's the Lord's words, if they're in you and you're delighting in those things, you're like a tree planted in the streams of living water and you will bear fruit in season. Everything you do will prosper. You can see how those two things are very, very similar. So both of them have to do with you being placed into a situation where the words of God are in you and as a result, you are bearing fruit. You're a fruitful believer. Now this passage, Psalm 1, it says that that person's delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on this law day and night. I just need to say the law of the Lord is the words of God. Now the law of the Lord can very specifically be, say, the Ten Commandments, you know, the laws of God, but it can also more generically be just all of God's words, all the thing God, things that God has had to say, the entire scriptures. At the time that Psalm chapter 1 was written, the whole Bible wasn't written yet, but the Lord in his great wisdom knows that we would be reading it now, and all of his words, even the words of Christ, are the law of the Lord. In fact, the name for Jesus in the Old Testament is Yahweh or Jehovah. If you've been um, joining me in the daily Bible videos, we've been going through using the World English Bible, the web version. And the web version is very cool in some ways. And one of the ways it's cool is that every time the word Yahweh appears, it says Yahweh. Whereas a lot of the other versions will just put the word Lord in. So, for example, in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. You've heard that so many times. In the web version, it says, Yahweh is my shepherd. It becomes much more personal. But we know that the name for Jesus in the Old Testament is Yahweh. So you can read so many of the Psalms, which in NIV have got the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, but you can read them in web version and you can see it becomes so much more personal and you can say, you know, Jesus is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it just becomes extra living, I guess. Or at least it's extra living for me. And so we read these words in Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, 
Let's just change that. His delight is in the words of Jesus. His delight is in the words of Christ. And on these words, he meditates day and night. So that's what it means to be a Christian. Someone that takes a hold of the words of the Lord, the words of Christ, meditate on them day and night. Well, that person is going to be fruitful. They're going to bear fruit in season. Like what Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And so I wanted to say that um, this is something... Now, meditating on the words of the Lord is something we do individually as Christians and it's something we do together as Christians. And that's what Bible studies and small groups are for. Earlier in the year, we had the week of listening prayer and the theme that seemed to come out of it, we were getting all these words from people and a number of people got the word about being in the river. And there were other words that were similar, like um, pressing into Christ. Or, and we distilled all of these words down to the idea that I'm sharing with you now of being in that place where the life of Christ is. Being in a place where Christ is speaking to you, in a place where Christ can flow through you to others. These things and more are being in the river. So we want to be people that are planted. Now, you'll remember that when Jesus was being tempted in the desert by Satan for 40 days, the devil came along and tried to get him to do things he wasn't supposed to do. And Jesus said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bible studies and reading your Bible at home the contemplation of God's words, applying scripture to our life, all of this is food. It's not figurative food, it's real food. You live when the words of God are in you. When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, um, but by the word of God, he, he was talking about real food and real life. Because we tend to think that the temporary lives we have now, which only last 70, 80 or 90 years, we tend to think that's the real life. And we tend to think that whenever scripture talks about life, it can't possibly be talking about anything other than this temporary existence of ours. We don't contemplate that it's talking about the real life that exists, the eternal life, which is the actual thing that God's most concerned about. The fact that, that we need to be established in him, and if we are, we will live that's foremost in God's mind because it's so much bigger than this temporary life we have now. So Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread alone will sustain you in this temporary life, but the word of God will cause you to live. It's real food. If bread is food of a type, but the word of God is actual, actual food. You've got to kind of start thinking like Jesus. So we prioritise our daily meals. Well, most people prioritise their daily meals. Most people prioritise eating. Well, what about the real food? Do you prioritise the real food? And most people like to eat with others. We like to have meals with our family. We like to invite others around and eat with them. Let's prioritise eating with others 
the real food. You know what I'm trying to say? Let's prioritize being in groups and eating the real food together. There's something life-giving about that, something wonderful about that. Now, I did a quick survey of the Bible. I didn't do an, you know, a comprehensive one because uh, just short on time, but I've come up with a quick eight verses to show you that scripture was always meant to be read in groups as well as read on your own. So very, very quickly, it's going to give you eight verses. You don't have to, we're not going to read them all right now. I'm just going to give you the references and then tell you what they say very, very quickly. But all the way through the Bible, the scripture is read in groups. It's read out loud. It's read in front of groups of people and it's supposed to be. It's so scripture reading isn't something you only just do on your own. It's supposed to be done in gatherings. In Exodus 24, verse 7, Moses reads the words of God to the congregation. There's a group of people, and the scriptures are read to them. Public reading of scripture. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 11, God gives a law that says the entire law, which was at that point the first five books of the Bible, had to be read to the entire group of Israelites every seven years. God required a public reading of scripture every seven years. That was national law in Israel at the time of Moses. In Nehemiah chapter 8, this, uh, I think it's Nehemiah, it might have been Ezra. Ezra reads to Israel for hours the law in public. They gather to, the, to listen to the public reading of Scripture. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Noel read from it this morning, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and publicly reads Scripture. And um, if you're, by the way, if you're a part of more liturgical church, Public reading of scripture is built into the liturgy. There's always a gospel reading, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and often a responsorial psalm. So these readings are built into regular Christian life. Uh, a lot of evangelical churches have, don't so often have this regular public reading of scripture. So that, that's one place where it's important. But I'm telling you today that another place that it's important is in small gatherings of Christians, where you together publicly read the scripture. That was Luke 4. Jesus read the scriptures in the synagogue at Caburnium. Colossians 4.16, Paul wrote a letter to the church at Colossae, and he said to them, read this letter, and then make sure you read the other letter. There was apparently two letters, one to another church, and then he wanted those two churches to read each other's letters. But those letters were, of course, scripture. So there's an example of churches reading scripture in public, in 1 Thessalonians 5.27, Paul tells the people in that church, he commands them to read the letter aloud to everyone. So he, he didn't want them to keep it secret. It was supposed to be public, publicly read. In Revelations 1 verse 3, you may have read Revelation before, and there's a, a verse that says, blessed is everyone who reads it. Have you ever noticed that? It actually says, blessed are those who read it aloud. So if you've only read the book of Revelation to yourself quietly, go back and read it aloud. Just to be more specifically a recipient of the blessing that's there. But it's supposed to be read aloud in groups. Even better. And 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul says to Timothy to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So there's look a very quick survey. I, do, I did note in my mind, though, that in the early church it said in... Um, Acts chapter 2 or somewhere, it says that they devoted themselves to, they gathered daily in homes 
and in the synagogue in both places and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the fellowship you know breaking of bread so the early christians were gathering in homes every single day which was your small groups and in the synagogue or the temple which was your big group and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the apostles of course couldn't go to every single house every day so how do you devote yourself to the apostles teaching in a house every day when the apostles are not there every day how do you do that by taking the apostles words and reading them and discussing them we actually have the apostles words now the entire new testament is written by apostles so you in your home every day or at least once a week in your small group can can devote yourself to the apostles teachings in the exact same way the early believers did so these are all christian things to do and i think that when christians do these types of things they are planted they're planted in scripture so you go along to your bible study and you've been reading your bible this week and you've had a great revelation and what are you going to do you're going to tell your bible study group about it well that's what christians are supposed to do they share with each other their spiritual journey and that's how you grow you by sharing with others help them to grow or if you're off kilter they all pull you into line that's good too and others come along to the group and they share their experiences and you learn from them and so you have a walk with the lord that is not just you on your own but it's collective and that's really really good and that's wonderful so you need to be planted you need to be a part of a gathering that's big like this where you can come to worship you can come to hear the preaching of the word but you need to be part of a smaller group as well so that you can develop closer relationships with fellow christians you can share your spiritual growth with each other you can study the scriptures together and you can pray a long time ago there was a famous christian called justin martyr um, some of you might have heard of him if you've studied church history he was what they call an apologist an apologist was someone who uh, it sounds like you're so, kind of saying sorry for things but back then it, it, apologizing wasn't saying sorry it was more like explaining so back in the roman empire they had a lot of people that used to say nasty things about christians and justin martyr was one of these apologists that explained for example they used to think that christians you know they would gather in the very early hours of a sunday morning and they thought they were cannibalizing but what they were doing was the reason they gathered early was because there was no weekend they had to gather before the work they started so the slaves of course never had time off work so they had to gather at like four in the morning on a sunday and they would have communion and they would eat the flesh of the lord and drink his blood but to all the people out there it sounded like they were having these secret cannibalistic gatherings which of course was a complete misunderstanding so people had to explain what was going on and justin martyr was one of the famous apologists and he explained that no christians are not cannibals this is what we're doing <laughs> we're honoring the lord we're remembering what he did for us and, and so some of the writings of justin martyr we still read today and justin martyr in particular wrote to you know roman emperors and people like that explaining things this is something that justin martyr said going way back like 1800 years ago he said on the day that is called sunday all who live in the cities or in the country gather together in one place and in the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophet they read so there you go 
Christians for nearly 2,000 years ago have been gathering and we've been taking up the words of the apostles and the writings of the prophets and we read them. We read them together in groups and we preach them on Sundays as well. But Christian, this is what Christians do. We study the Bible. We're a student of the word of God. You know, when Jesus was walking around Palestine, he said to these men, follow me. What he was saying to them was, come and be my student. Come and learn my ways and come and learn my words. And I'd like to say that all of you are Christ's students. You are his disciples. You're called to study his words. We do it together and we do it on our own. We do it in both ways. So these are the things I want to share with you this morning. I'm encouraging you in several ways today. And I invite the band to come because we're going to we'll conclude hopefully with a happy song full of praise this morning. But I, I'm encouraging you in several ways. So because you're not all in the same position here. I'm encouraging you, number one, if you are not a part of a small group, life group, cell, Bible study, whatever it's called, you need to be in one. It's part of being planted. It's part of being a Christian. It's part of being in a place where you grow. So that's one thing I'm encouraging this morning. Now, it may be that we've got to start some more groups in the church because there's not enough. Fine. Maybe you're supposed to start one. Maybe you're supposed to look at two or three people around you and say, join me, let's start studying the Bible together. Great. I encourage that. We need more groups. And I know there's been some people recently that have said to me they want to be a part of a group, and we're just still trying to figure all that out. Well, I think the answer is we just need maybe a few more groups. Let's start some more. So if you're kind of wrestling with, with what to do, maybe the Lord's calling you to actually start one. Come and talk to me and we'll help you. So that's another thing. But third, maybe you're in a group, or maybe you're the leader of a group, and you feel like the group doesn't have as much purpose as it could have, well, devote yourself to the apostles' teaching would be the New Testament way of saying it. Or in Justin Martyr's teaching, you know, consider the memoirs of the apostles. <laughs> Lovely phrase, that. Consider the writings of the prophets. As a group, study the words of Christ and the words of Christ's you know, followers and what they mean to you and this purpose in it. And then invite your unbelieving friends to study the word of God with you because they're actually interested even though you didn't know that. I have never met an unbeliever that wasn't interested in the things the Bible had to say. They might say out, they might say out, right, I'm not interested in church or any of that stuff, but they're interested in what the Bible has to say. You know, you, I, I can, you want to do a test and prove it. Just bring up something the Bible has to say and ask their opinion. You'll be, next thing, you'll be in a big discussion about it. They're interested. I, a few years ago, conclude with this thought and then have, we'll have a, a good prayer. And I'm going to leave you all to, to meditate on these things, as Psalms 1 talks about. A few years ago, I was helping my mother hand out how to vote cards for an election. And it was a very enjoyable day. I was down at Mount Archer and 
one of the coolest things about Mum's election campaign was that Dad rebranded all the, the party colours pink. Never before or since has a political party been pink. But it was great for Mum, and it, all the election signs stood out. And so I got to, you know, be handing out all the stuff for, for you know, for Mum's campaign. And I was positioned next to another political party, and uh, they were very leftist. And um, you know what we talked about all day long? The Word of God. And you know what they said to me at the end of that day? They said, the things you say are so reasonable. You know why they're reasonable? Because they're in the Bible. And the Lord is reasonable. And the Lord knows what people need. And when they're discussed and considered and explained properly, people get it. And the Holy Spirit helps. And people want to have those discussions. People are hungry for the Word of God. Jesus said that people are thirsty. They want to have a drink of living water. The Word of God does all of that. And you know what? The world is wanting to find this living water, and so they go and do stuff. They join their four-wheel driving club, looking for some kind of connection that's meaningful. Or they join their local sports club. You know, and there's good stuff about all of those things. But we've got the one thing that actually satisfies the words of Christ. It's living water. So study it. Let it live in you. Invite people to study it with you. If, if your unbelieving friends or family or neighbours won't come to church, invite them to your Bible study and call it a Bible study. Um, or don't call it anything. Just say, we're studying the Bible tonight. We're reading what Jesus said about this topic. They'll be interested. It, they just are. And uh, it's unavoidable. And um, so... I've given you lots of different things and one or two of those will sit with you as a thing that means something for you today. Meditate on this. Be the person in Psalm chapter 1 that meditates on the law of the Lord or the law of Christ day and night. Think about these things and apply them to your life. Next week we're going to have a fabulous week with the summit. Um, really looking forward to that. But after the summit, we're going to continue to think about being planted, maybe not every Sunday, but we're going to continue the, to think about these ideas, being in prayer, being in scripture, what it means for us as Christians, how to apply it so that we are living fruitful lives. This is the theme the Lord has given us for the year. He gave us this theme of being planted, so we want to be planted. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we've got clarity in scripture i thank you the words of christ no less that by yourself you can do nothing but you if you abide in me you will bear much fruit and lord you said that we could ask for whatever we wish and it would be done and so we do this morning we ask for grace to help us heavenly father we we need your help we lord we want to build the house of god but we can't build it unless you build it with us Lord, we want to study the scriptures and know your words, but we can't do it unless you do it with us. Let your Holy Spirit be with us. We want to bear much fruit, but we can't even bear any fruit unless you're with us. So Lord, I pray this morning for each and every person here that they would meditate on the things that have been said. And Holy Spirit, I ask you would speak to every heart in the way that they need to consider. 
Father, I pray that you'd build this church. And Lord, we do want some more small groups in the church, so I pray that you would put upon the hearts of those people who you're calling to start them, Lord, a spark of inspiration right now, or a touch of conviction, or whatever it is, the call of God, that's what it is. Lord, put your call upon those that are supposed to run some small groups. Father, I pray you'd build your church. And now, Lord, I also pray you'd bless your people. I pray you'd bless Mount Morgan this morning, Justin and Rosalind and all the congregation that have gone up there today. May there be life in that congregation and life in that fellowship and life in that town. And may there be life here. Bless your people. And Lord, bless the summit next week. May it be empowered. And Lord, bless all those who join us online. May the life of Christ be theirs. In Jesus' name, amen.